Hi friend, welcome back to the Let's Talk Wildlife podcast. Was that a different opening noise? (laughs) I think it's usually birds. That was not a bird. That was actually our animal of today's podcast. Just a quick thank you before we begin. If you tuned in to last week's episode, I appreciate all of the love and support I received from that episode. So thank you so much. Today's animal (laughs) that we will be having a conversation about is actually one of my favorite animals and luckily enough for me it is native to Australia. So welcome to the Let's Talk Wildlife podcast. Let's dive straight into the Tasmanian devil. So a little bit about the Tasmanian devil. It is a carnivorous marsupial meaning that it has a pouch and it is a carnivore. So other marsupials um, are kangaroos, uh, koalas, we know that one, wombats, sugar gliders, numbats as well, quolls, uh, marsupials. So what these animals have in common is that they have a pouch to feed and protect their young. So the same goes with the Tasmanian devil. It has four teats, so it can potentially have four babies at one time. Their name originates, um, it's actually a pretty cool story. Well, I think it's pretty cool. I hope you do as well. The first European settlers uh, that settled in Tasmania, they would hear shrieks and growls and and grumbles and all these strange demonic noises at night. Um, So they actually thought that there were devils in the bush. They genuinely thought there were devils. Um, That they were not. They (laughs) were the Tasmanian devils, hence their name, Tasmanian devil. I have, I've been fortunate enough to actually hear a Tasmanian devil in the wild. I went to Tasmania, I believe at the beginning of this year. It was extraordinary. One of the best trips I have been on. Tasmania is a little slice of heaven down the bottom of Australia there. And I got to see Tasmanian devils in the wild and also here them and it was a it was a pretty creepy (laughs) situation when I was just in the middle of the bush I believe there was no one else around um I was just off a off a track exploring and I just hear this really loud screech what you would relate a devil to sound like so it was very eerie but also very fascinating to be able to hear that in the wild. I am very grateful for that. So the Tasmanian devil is endemic to Tasmania, meaning that they are native and only found in Tasmania, um, in forests and woodlands. They did actually exist and live on mainland Australia, but they went extinct about 3,000 years ago. Um, 
there's a few different research papers that I read and uh, these papers sort of just spoke about the reasoning behind why they now only live in Tasmania um, but the main reason the one I believe also was the introduction of dingoes uh, to mainland Australia there was also um, papers on human activity so humans hunting them to extinction on the mainland but dingoes were actually introduced from Asia around 3,000 4,000 years ago to mainland Australia so that definitely would be a complete understanding and quite a reasonable explanation as to why the Tasmanian devil does not reside in the mainland Australia anymore. So this makes the Tasmanian devil Tasmania's top predator. Uh, again, I have seen these little guys in the wild. Uh, also, you can visit zoos and wildlife sanctuaries that have Tasmanian devils living there. They are mostly black, they have a white marking on their chest, and males are typically larger than the females. Now, if you see a Tasmanian devil, you will notice that they have, hopefully, a very fat, chunky tail. And I say hopefully because, like any other marsupial, the Tasmanian devil will store fat in its tail when food is scarce. So, you will hopefully... Uh, if you see a Tasmanian devil, see that their tail will swell up. This is a really good sign of a healthy Tasmanian devil. Now, if you do come across a Tasmanian devil in the wild, do not fret. Do not stress. Don't worry. Don't get all defensive. They are no threat to humans. Obviously, if they feel threatened, they will defend themselves like any other animal, even humans, we defend ourselves when we feel threatened, so they will do the same. They do have a very powerful jaw, um, so <laughs> you do not want to be bitten by a Tasmanian devil, so again, if you do see one in the wild or get approached by one, keep your distance, please, and just move on. Don't approach, leave him or her alone, and they will do the same to you. They will usually um, run away and stay out of the way of danger. So they really pose no threat to humans. So as I mentioned, they do have very powerful jaws. This is to crunch and get through bone. So their diet consists of pretty much anything. They are scavengers. So they will eat anything they can find. Uh, roadkill is a big one so another thing I do want to add here is please be careful whilst driving where the Tasmanian devil does inhabit so Tasmania just drive careful just be on the be on the look be on the watch out because one of their main food groups is roadkill so they will be hanging around the roadsides trying to find their next meal so it's really important that we are taking that in to account and just being careful. Another really cool little fact about the Tassie devil is that they don't just eat the flesh of their prey, they eat everything. They eat the fur, the meat, the skin, 
the bone, there will be nothing left. If you feed a Tasmanian devil a bird, there will be no bird left at the end of them eating. <laughs> Their lunch is gone completely. So that is why they have such powerful jaws. I believe they eat about one kilogram per day of food. Um, they can eat more when they don't know when the next meal will be. Their teeth do not stop growing. So their teeth continuously grow. They have about 42 teeth, the same as a dog. And this also helps them with eating everything, the bone, every little piece that they can eat, they most definitely will. Another really cool thing about the Tasmanian devil is that not just, they don't just eat the roadkill, they will actually sleep inside of um, their carry-on. So carry-on is just roadkill, just dead animals. They will sleep inside so when they wake up, they can continue eating it again. It's a pretty disturbing, <laughs> pretty disturbing trait to have, but whatever works for the devil and whatever helps them survive in the wild, I suppose. <laughs> With them actually eating the dead animals and the sick and the injured, they are really important um, to the ecosystem and to conservation because there's dead animals attract flies and maggots and smells and all the yucky stuff but with the Tasmanian devil eating these and getting rid of them again getting rid of everything uh, they are really important to keeping the animal population healthy and keeping also our roads and our forests all of that really healthy the Tasmanian devil also kills or hunts feral cats in Tasmania, which is a really great thing um, because feral cats kill our native species. So by the Tasmanian hunting the feral cats, uh, in turn, they are protecting our native species like birds, which is really important because we need our natives over our introduced uh, introduced species are a really big part of why populations decline, um, not just here in Australia, but everywhere around the world. So the Tasmanian devil is really important to us, to our planet. So Tasmanian devils typically hunt at night uh, and sleep throughout the day, meaning that they are nocturnal. I was fortunate enough to hear and see one in the daytime so I'm very <laughs> grateful for that but they are mostly solitary they do not hunt in packs like dogs or wolves or anything they I mean sometimes you can see them in the same area as one another and they will typically go for the same food so if there is roadkill you might see more than one Tasmanian devil eating um, the roadkill and they will fight over this and they will sort of play a tug of war game so you'll see them pulling back and forth um to eat the animal but also to make it easier so they rip it apart so I guess they kind of work together in a way but they are mostly solitary now I mentioned the first European settlers uh 
named them the Tasmanian Devils due to the strange, bizarre, incredible noises that they heard coming from these amazing creatures. They also, unfortunately, despised the Tassie Devil because the devils would hunt their chickens. So, in turn, the European settlers hunted them, which is heartbreaking. I I know it's a part of life, I guess. Um, we've made humans, I should say, have made terrible mistakes in the past, and we are 100% learning from them. And I think it's, I think this day and age is a really great time to be alive and to be working with conservation and wildlife because we are improving every single day and we are doing so many great things and with all this new technology you know we're advancing years ahead of ourselves Uh, so it's just of course there's going to be negative talk (laughs) around wildlife here on earth but there's also a lot of positive so let's keep that in mind as well So in, I believe, the 1830s, um, the Van Diemen's Land Corporation or company actually put out a reward if you hunted the Tasmanian Devil. You'd get a reward, I believe, to bring in a male Tasmanian Devil. You were rewarded 25 cents and for a female, you were rewarded 35 cents. Unfortunately, they were also caught in traps, they were shot, and between the 1830s and the 1940s, so that's a huge gap in between those times, they were considered near extinction, which, oh, it's so sad, it really does, I love these animals, I absolutely adore wildlife, and just to... (laughs) To hear that, it's it's really upsetting. But good news came in 1941 when protection laws came into place and the Tasmanian devil was considered protected and a important species to humanity and to our planet. So that was the good news and then we fall back down to the bad news. Unfortunately, this is no human impact which is great which is that's a positive that's a plus on its own but there is another threat to the Tasmanian devils today and that is the devil facial tumor disease so it's just a really aggressive transmittable parasitic cancer that attacks and affects the Tasmanian devil so small lumps will form around their mouth which will then turn into large tumours and affect their face and their neck. This disease is spread through close contact uh, between Tasmanian devils and biting is a big one. So during mating seasons, obviously the males will bite, even the males and females when mating will bite each other and this is how the disease is spread. There is no established treatment for this disease, which is so heartbreaking, but scientists are working um, in order to find 
something, you know, find a medicine uh, that will help and stop. So even if it is still, you know, spreading throughout the Tasmanian devils, we will have an antidote. We will have something that can stop it in time before the Tasmanian devil gets too bad and ultimately leads to death. I believe there are about 25,000 left in the wild. Um, This facial disease decimated about 90% of the Tassie devil population, which is such a large number, I can't even fathom. 90% were affected by this facial tumor disease. It's really heartbreaking. So good news coming. There are a lot of ways and a lot of things that we can do to help the Tasmanian devils and also to protect the Tasmanian devils. I think I mentioned in one of my previous episodes that it's all well and truly good to know and be aware of the problem and what's happening but to make a change we have to know what we can be doing and we have to do it. So it's great to know that there's a disease that's killing off our Tassie devils but now what can we do and let's put that into play let's jump aboard all of us um, because it's not it's not about us going out there and finding the Tassie devils it's it's really it's not everything can be done online everything is through technology and social media it, it really is pretty simple um, to all give a helping hand it's not about blood sweat and tears it's just about a few clicks really so one thing we can be doing is visiting zoos or wildlife sanctuaries now I know that's a pretty hot topic a lot of people don't like zoos and they think that they are bad and putting animals in captivity is bad This is more do your own research type of thing, but I will quickly tell you my opinion. So there are zoos that, yes, they are bad. They treat their animals awful. The animals shouldn't be there in the first place. I know of some that will actually just capture the animal in the wild and put it in their zoo for no reason at all, just for human entertainment which is so sad and devastating for just taking away an animal out of their home out of their environment just for entertainment purposes is absolutely awful and that behavior is disgusting we do not (laughs) at all support that in any way shape or form at all But what I will say is there are a lot of wildlife sanctuaries. I just finished up in Townsville and there is a sanctuary there called the Billabong Sanctuary. So what happens is when an animal is injured, so let's just take a koala, for example. When a koala gets hit by a car and we then bring it in, the experts, the the caretakers will 
build them back up to strength, they will rehabilitate them, they will make sure that they are perfectly okay. We are helping them. Unfortunately, the majority of these animals can't be released back into the wild. They will either need full-on care for the rest of their lives. So if you release them back in the wild, they will unfortunately die straight away without our help, without our care. And unless we're going out there every day to check on them and track them, it's really a whole lot of time and money spent when we can put them in a facility and keep our eyes on them and what zoos actually do so when zoos do this when we can't release them back into the wild if they're injured if they're sick I can't remember which sanctuary it was but there was a bird and it actually got into a fight or something or a dog attacked it it may have been and it lost its wing this bird will never fly again so instead of just throwing it back into the wild for it to die in a day they kept it inside of the sanctuary and they would feed it every day and they would give it all the love that they could so it has a good last few years of its life. That is what I support. And when you go to these sanctuaries and you're paying money to see these animals, that money goes back into helping the animals for the supplies, for building bigger enclosures, for making them feel safe and have all the space and room that that animal needs. So I know some people despise zoos, but there are a few that are good. And we need, um, and the animals also need to call home. But again, do research, have your own opinion, that is all up to you. Donating, so finding an organisation that works for you and that you firmly believe is doing an amazing job and role with helping conservation and wildlife. So there are quite a few for the Tasmanian Devils. I know that there is Save the Tasmanian Devil, which is located in Hobart in Tasmania. There is also Aussie Ark, which does an incredible job. I went to a a sanctuary uh, up in Cradle Mountain in Tasmania and it was just, I forget what it's called, I feel like it was called Unzu, that may not be the correct name so take that with a grain of salt please, but it was just a sanctuary full of Tasmanian devils and again they're in there to repopulate, to learn more about the Tasmanian devils, to understand these beautiful creatures um, and to work in helping and bettering our conservation. Another huge program is breeding programs. I believe that there is one in Victoria. This is also something that's really good. I went out to Charleville and there is a bilby sanctuary out there and it is a breeding program. They will not breed if the female or male is not feeling it. That's something that's really important. If the female says no, if the male says no, it's not happening. That's something that's really important to take on board. They're not forcing these animals to mate. If one of them says no, it's a straight no. They will find another female or another male to get the job done. But breeding programs are pretty important uh, for repopulating our species, our native species, if they are close to extinction in the wild 
um, anything like that. But if you do head out to Charleville Way, um, I would highly recommend checking out the Bilby program that's out there. It is quite quite a drive, but it's definitely worth it. And there's like quite a fair few things to also do out that way as well. I also mentioned before driving slow, and that's another huge one is roadkill and Tasmanian devils being killed by cars. Um, unfortunately, when I was in Tasmania, I did see uh, a few uh, dead devils. So that's something to also take on board and just being aware of our surroundings and knowing that there is wildlife and Tasmania has an abundance of wildlife. So that's really important to remember as well. I could literally talk about Tasmanian devils all day, every day. They are a species just like the shark and I, I could just speak about them all day. They are fascinating. They are so interesting and I have so much love for them. I cannot wait to get back out to Tasmania and visit them again and see them and I love seeing them in their in the wild in their natural habitats and that's something I think is really important for humans to do as well is to get to know these animals in the wild in their natural habitats I feel like you get more um, of an appreciation for them and seeing how they survive every single day out there in the wild because I think if you threw a human out in the bush, unless he's like Bear Grylls, but if he wasn't Bear Grylls or she, I don't think we will survive it very long. So <laughs> props to the Tessie Devil. But thank you if you have made it this far um, of the podcast. That's episode three down. I feel like this is going so fast. Episode three already. I truly hope you have learned quite a lot not just in this episode, but the last two as well. Again, this is one of my favorite animals. So researching this was just the most fun that I've ever had. And it brings up so many past experiences. So I like diving, diving into that. And I, for some reason, the Tasmanian devil feels so nostalgic to me. I don't know why, but I don't know. Maybe you feel the same. Maybe you don't. Maybe you think I'm just going crazy I don't know <laughs> but thank you so much for listening again um, I, I truly hope that you now have some awareness or some idea about the Tasmanian devil and things that are affecting it like the facial tumor researching donating whatever you can do to help out seeing them in the wild uh, visiting zoos or sanctuaries with Tasmanian devils some incredible animals that exist and the Tasmanian devil is definitely one of them so thank you so much and I will be seeing you this time next week